Studies show that people typically can't walk in a straight line without a focus point, or when you're blindfolded, apparently. Have you ever tried that, where you've just sort of walked in a straight line, blindfolded, trying to get one point to the other? Imagine you had a dead straight line from home to school. You walk it every day. It's easy. It's a straight line. You get it. Then one day you realize, I'm so good at walking to school in this dead straight line, I could do it blindfolded. So it's Monday morning. Uh, you put on your best uniform. You put on your blindfold. Mum gives you a hug and a kiss as you go out the door with your lunch. And then she's cheering for you. We're watching you go down the road blindfolded. Step one, step two, step three. You're going good. Step eight, nine, ten. Sounds different, but it's good. But then you realize, you're still, as you're going down the road, still blindfolded, you're going down, and then all of a sudden you get hit by the semi-trailer on the main road that you live on. <laughs> Why would you wear a blindfold when there is so much danger around? <laughs> Having no focus point is dangerous. And we've heard some pretty crazy stuff in this passage that we've just had read out. The Corinthians are meant to be living as Christians, but they're put on the blindfold. They've lost their focus of their faith, and they've veered off the track. Paul doesn't let that go lightly. We're also going to see how this can be a danger for us at EV Youth, how allowing sin that we're unashamed entering our lives uh, could, lead us away from, uh, could lead us away from living a Christian life. Knowing the danger will help us recognize it and put our sin to death. So let's quickly pray, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I pray as we dive into this passage, you would help us to understand and that you would help us to focus. And uh, yeah, we'd be able to apply this to our lives. Amen. All right, so we've seen over the last couple of weeks, that, well, last few weeks, that the Corinthians, they sort of go off the trail every now and then. And um, Paul's been addressing uh, quite a few different things. Uh, the things like they're arguing over who's a better leader, uh, they're immature, they're tempted by the pleasures of their culture. And I think it seems to be because the Corinthians have a lack of a focus point. Uh, check out verses 1. Um, right. It's actually reported that there is sexual, Im- sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. We're, we're just going to wait here for one minute. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, I read over that a couple of times, and then I realized... He's sleeping with his mum or his stepmum. Bit weird. A man calls himself a Christian and he's sleeping with his stepmum or his mum. Now, this could be his stepmother, it could be his mother. Uh, it could be a situation where the father has died and uh, the woman ends up being his own age, so he thinks, oh, okay. Um, but in any case, whatever this guy is doing, even the people outside of the church, they don't tolerate it. Even they think this is grossly inappropriate. And it's not a one-off thing. This guy hasn't slept with his mum or stepmum and then realised what he's done wrong and repented. No, he's doing this time again and again, time and time again. This guy is sinning, and this particular sin is totally whack. But this isn't exactly what Paul focuses on in this passage. We're going to be looking into sexual immorality in a couple of weeks, uh, but tonight we're looking into how the Corinthians reacted to this man's sin. Uh, So again, check out the end of verse 1 and continue into 2. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Again, totally whack. But the church is proud of this guy. They celebrated the guy. The Corinthians saw themselves so highly that they thought they were free to just do anything. They're not treating sin how they should. 
They should have been horrified at what this man did and how much dishonour it brought to God and how much disgrace it put on the church and the public's eyes. Some of you might have heard of the illustration that we said a few times uh, where our lives might be judged and it's like we've been wearing this GoPro, this ultimate GoPro that records every thought, uh, every feeling, everything we've ever done. Imagine if Jono went onto the little memory card on this thing and he scoped through it and he found the worst, most disgusting thing possible on it. Something that would churn the stomachs of anyone that watched it. And then imagine he came here, he chucked it up on the screens and he's just like, look what I did, guys. And we're just like, yeah, high five, Jono. And um, yeah, cheering him on because he can just do whatever he wants. It's not right. Christians, if... Your sin is something that you're, is your sin something that you're proud of, or is there sin that you're perhaps not celebrating necessarily, but you're unconcerned to having having it in your life? This is telling us that we can lose focus. We all sin, but are you repenting of your sin, or do you tell yourself Jesus is okay with this? Paul continues in verse two. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? And have put out the fellowship, um, put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this. They're celebrating, and Paul is saying that they should be in mourning. He's saying the Corinthians should be sad about their sin, but they think they've got this Christian life so sorted that they can just breathe through life how they please because they said they're followers of Jesus that one time. They call themselves Christians, but have they forgotten what that means? Remember in the video, the person that just sort of wandered off to the side, they even went off the track? That's what the Corinthians are heading towards. Why? Because they've lost their focus point. It's like they've been blindfolded. They aren't living how they should be. Uh, so we're going to quickly flip back to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. So Paul's just opening his letter to the Corinthians here. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. So when Paul opens this letter to the Corinthians, he addresses them as those sanctified, which means to be set apart from the world, to live differently and holy, dedicated to God. I don't know about you, but celebrating a man who's sleeping with his stepmom or his mum doesn't seem to fit. They don't see themselves as new people, uh, and they're not trying to live differently from others in their culture. If anything, some of them are living worse than before. They also don't seem to care much about God's reputation. He's the one who saved them, and they're identifying as his people, but they don't seem to care about the way that they live. They have been offered something perfect, but they're not living how they're supposed to be, how they're instructed to. Take this Kit Kat. Now, when I think about a Kit Kat, I think it's a pretty perfect uh, chocolate bar. It's, like, it's got four little wafers in it. It's, you can tell how you're meant to eat it. But what if I was just to, like... <laughs> this is wrong! If you eat Kit Kats like that, stop! You're hurting people! <laughs> it's obvious how the Kit Kat is meant to be eaten. You meant to break it, you meant to have a chew on it. You get your next one, you break it, you have a chew on it. This is like what the Corinthians are doing. This way of eating a Kit Kat is an abomination to the way that the creator of the Kit Kat, good on him, it's an abomination 
to how they intend it to be eaten. And this is like what the Corinthians are doing. They say that they're living the Christian life, but it is a perversion of how it's meant to be lived. Let me swallow. <laughs> Boasting in your sin is not how Jesus intended, it to, intended us to live. It's not how he intended us to, instructed us to live. Are you living your Christian life like the Corinthians? Are you, taking off, are you taking the gift of salvation, but living in sin, not trying to fight it? We read this passage, and some might think this is crazy, this would never happen. But are you just blind to the sin in your life? Are you fighting your sin or sitting in it, enjoying it, doing nothing to fix it? Do you boast about the sins that you commit? If this is you, you might need a reminder of what Jesus has done for you, a reminder of the gift of God, of what he's given you. And that's exactly what Paul does to encourage the Corinthians to repent. Jesus should be our focus point. So, Paul, he's not too happy. He's saying that the Corinthians should be in mourning uh, to, for what's happened, uh, not boasting. Um, let's check out verse 6 to 8. Uh, you're boasting. Oh, I'll let you guys flick. Can you hear some pages? Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens a whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the bre- old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, to understand this, we're going to need a little bit of context. And uh, Paul is calling back to Exodus here. And uh, you can read about that in your Bibles, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give us a quick little overview. And so, buckle in, I'm going to go through this quick. So, God's people, the Israelites, back in the time uh, that they were uh, held in slavery uh, by the Egyptians, God commanded that his people were to be let go, but the Pharaoh refused. So God sent these crazy plagues all over the land to force the Pharaoh to let them go. But he didn't. Uh, The Pharaoh still refused. Because the Pharaoh kept refusing, God sent the most horrible plague. God sent the angel of death to go and kill every firstborn son in Egypt. But God gave a way for his people to to be saved, however. They were to take a perfect, unblemished, untouched lamb, slay it and eat it and put its blood on the doorposts. When the angel of death saw this, it would pass over the house and they would be safe. See a little link, pass over, pass over. When they ate this meal, they were to also eat the unleavened bread, which is bread without yeast in it. They did this because God had promised that they would leave the next morning. Yeast took time to um, rise in the bread and having the bread without the yeast in it was a way of showing that they trusted God that, yeah, they were leaving the next day. From this point on, God commanded that his people were to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread so that they would throw away all of their yeast as a symbol, leaving their old life behind and living a new life with God. So Paul's using that imagery with the Corinthians to motivate them. So let's check out verse 6 again. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? So Paul's making an interesting illustration here. If even a little yeast is in the dough, it affects the entire batch. So he's saying if even a little bit of unrepentant sin is spreading through the is in the church, it will affect the whole church, it will start to spread. Verse 7, 
Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. So here Paul's giving them a call to action. He's reminding the Corinthians of who they are. The Corinthians aren't unbelievers. And that is why their boasting of sin is such a big problem. They call themselves Christian, and Paul is reminding them of what that means. So verse 7, get rid of the old yeast. Get rid of your sin from before you came to Jesus. Verse 7 again, so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. So that you can live a new life without wickedness. Verse 7 to 8. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus lived a perfect life. And like the perfect lambs that the Israelites sacrificed, Jesus sacrificed himself. Like the Israelites trust in the blood of the sacrificed lamb, that would mean that they would be safe. So are those who trust in Jesus' blood. If you trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that it would pay for your sins, you are saved. This is what Paul needed the Corinthians to see. Jesus has paid for their sins on the cross, and it's such a high price. The God of our universe has sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be saved from our sins. We shouldn't be living in sin anymore. It goes against who you are if you're a Christian. Now do you see I chuckle in my mouth. Now do you see how disrespectful this is? Now do you see where Paul is coming from in this passage? Being a Christian doesn't mean you put your faith in Jesus and just move on in life. We're to be like the unleavened bread, getting rid of the sin in our previous lives. Living a life as a Christian is living a life for Jesus. Having a blindfold on and just walking blindly around, it just doesn't work. We need a focus point to walk the line. Jesus is the reason that we can have an eternity in heaven. And our our identity is in him if you are a Christian. That's a pretty darn good reason to be focusing on Jesus if you call yourself a Christian. For those who truly trust in Jesus, you are free from sin. And God looks at you as if you have no sin. This is the same as the Corinthians as it is for you. If you are a Christian... If you are saved by Jesus' blood and perfect in God's eyes, that is who you are. This is so good. And this is why we should want to fight sin. So then what? How do we steer clear of the path that the Corinthians were going down? Make Jesus your focus point. Saying Jesus should be our focus point and make Jesus your focus point, two different things. Paul says, uh, back in... Sorry. Paul says, Keep the festival, (laughs) not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Celebrate, but not in the way that you would before you were a Christian. Don't celebrate in sin. Celebrate in what Jesus has done on the cross for us and celebrate a new life and keep celebrating that. Do you have something that you're thankful for in your life that you're just like, I love this. I've got my surfboard. I love my surfboard. Now, this board, 
Good in every condition. I love it. It paddles well, super cruisy on the waves, and man, does it have some speed when you want it to. And I think it looks pretty cool too. I can't look past this surfboard. I'm just too thankful for the joy that I get out of it. Don't even bother looking elsewhere. Do you have this? Do you have this in Jesus? Don't stop being thankful for Jesus and don't forget what he's actually done for us. Sure, we still sin, but take off the blindfold and focus on Jesus. Strive to be how God sees you. Repent of the sins you do commit, turn from them and leave them behind. You don't need to be stuck in your sin. Celebrate Jesus. Now, Paul goes on to say a few heavy things uh, about leaving the old sinful life behind in this next section. So read uh, verses 9 and 10 with me. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or adulterers. In that case, you would have to leave this world. Now, I think this is a pretty important thing that we address tonight. Uh, Paul is saying here that he doesn't mean for you to just ignore and flee the people of this world who are committing what we call sins. He's saying that we, sh- we, we can't because there's pe- people who don't trust in Jesus everywhere because there would be nowhere on earth for us to be able to hide. If you're here hearing this for the first time, if you've been here for a hundred times and you're still wrestling with all these things, this passage is not directed at you. Paul says in verse 12, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? We're not here to judge how you're living. We love that you're here checking things out. You're welcome to listen, hang out, ask questions. We love that you're here and it's so great that you are here. And Christians, this this passage isn't saying to stop hanging out with your non-Christian mates. We don't want uh, what Jesus has done for us to be kept secret. So get out there, spread the word, and... um, yeah, spread the word to those who don't know. But be careful. Your, your non-Christian friends and family aren't going to share the same love that you share for Jesus. We need to have some discernment on how other people's behaviours affect us. You guys are in an, at an age and in a culture that drinking to get drunk, drugs, sex, it's all tolerated and seen as normal. Some would say it's weird not to. This goes against what Jesus wants for us as Christians. Stand strong, keep him as your focus, and don't take your eyes off him. In verse 11 to 12, Paul is saying something similar, but this time he's addressing uh, to the Christians who are unrepentant in their sin. So let's check out verse 11 to 12. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, a Christian, but is sexual, sexually immoral, or greedy, an adulterer, or a sl- or slander, slanderer, a drunkard, or swindler, do not even eat with such people. Again, Paul is addressing the Corinthians to not associate with Christians like the man at the start of this passage. Christians who think their sin is okay, people who are stuck in their sin, people who boast in their sin. There is a difference between struggling with sin and boasting about it. Struggling with sin and boasting about. Paul is explained that the way the Corinthians have been acting, boasting about their sins and having pride in their sins, has no place in God's church. We all sin, but there's a difference between struggling and fighting sin and boasting in it. If you're a Christian here tonight and you struggle with sin, 
We're not here to judge you either. We're not here to throw you out of youth and we're still going to eat with you, don't worry. Paul is talking about very different circumstances. If you struggle and fight, with, fight your sin, you don't need to be disciplined like this man. If someone here was claiming their sexual immoral, immorality, their greed, their drunkenness, their sin in a boastful way, in a prideful way, and we cheered them on and or we did nothing about it, that is when we need to do something about it. The Corinthians have lost their focus. It was like they'd blindfolded themselves and walked off the path. This can be a danger for us Christians here too. Are you, are you wearing a blindfold? Are you boasting in your sin? Unconcerned about your sin? Take off the blindfold. Paul motivates the Christians and us to remember Jesus' huge sacrifice, which has given us a chance at new life. If you call yourself a Christian here tonight, don't forget what he has done for you and what it means. It means that you can leave your sin behind. He has paid it for you. Look out for your brothers and sisters that they would remember this too. Don't celebrate together in sinful nature. Celebrate together in what Jesus has done for us and that we can leave sin behind. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you have done for us through Jesus. Please help us to live as you want us to, to look out for each other, to see our sin and fight it, and to never lose focus on you. Pray that you would be glorified through our lives. Amen.